Hey there, thanks so much for clicking play on Super Nintendo. Got a great podcast for you today. Um, it's Doc, by the way, uh, Docky Darko, if you want to use my gamer tag, and you can. Uh, so we're chatting today with Emile Debon, who is a writer and actor, but uh, we're specifically talking about the writing and the technical advisor role he played on Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which is new from Ubisoft. Uh, by the way, we're giving you chances to win that game as well. So if you head to uh, the website, dokidako.com, or just go directly to random30.com.au, uh, we've teamed up with the Random 30 Countdown and Ubisoft to give you the chance to win a copy of that game on Xbox One. That's till October 18. So, uh, And you can listen to the Random 30 to find out if you are a winner. Uh, the chat with Emil is just amazing. What an amazingly friendly guy. Uh, he absolutely loves what he does and you can hear it in his voice and and the way he talks about his work as well um he spent 15 years with special forces and then uh as he was doing that he wrote uh some screenplays but now is working on this video game which is very exciting have a listen to this chat he's such a lovely bloke and it was such a pleasure to talk to him um here it is emil devon I'm talking to writer and technical advisor on Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It's Emile Dubon, um, who's had nearly 15 years, is it, uh, experience with Special Forces? Yes, that's correct. That's an amazing amount of time. Did you find that... Definitely longer than I remember, yeah. <laughs> Did it go past really quick? Surprisingly, yes. Yeah, so when you were working with Special Forces, were you writing at the same time? Have you always found that you were, have always been a writer? Uh, yes, you know, I, I wrote a lot as a kid. Uh, I, I A lot of the facets of entertainment that I pursue now, I engaged in as a kid, but I never thought I would do anything with them. I, I was into theater, I loved film, I wrote... Uh, you know, I got away from all of that. Obviously, I was full-time yeah. military for 10 years. But uh, after 10 years, I transitioned to, to part-time, to a National Guard element. Uh, and I was still writing. I wrote my first feature-length screenplay on a deployment. Really? It seems like an unusual um, career path to take for, for someone who's into theatre and, and writing to start with. Um, what, what made you move into Special Forces? There's a lot of, I mean, I, I initially joined the, the U.S. Air Force when I was young, when I was 19, mm. just because I needed a job and it seemed like something to do. Uh, and that didn't last too long. I mean, I did my time and, and I separated from the military and I was a civilian for almost eight years, but a significant number of occurrences sort of took place uh, in that time. And of course, uh, you know, 9-11 happened, which was, was mm. a pretty strong motivator. Uh, but really, even more than that was as the U.S. found itself engaged in one and then two significant conflicts, I just felt an obligation to be involved. Uh, yeah. I felt that I was a little older at that point. Uh, I had learned about special operations jobs, and they always appealed to me, uh, the, the challenge of it, the nature of, of the work. But I felt myself sort of increasingly feeling the, the drive to, to do my part. Uh, I thought as an older sort of applicant, maybe I, I could make good decisions on the ground under mm. stress. I felt that if I was going to have any sort of opinions about what was happening, I should be willing to put myself in that position. And I wanted the challenge. So uh, there was a lot of reasons, but I, once I sort of learned uh, about special forces and particularly special forces medics, uh, I just 
I felt the call. Pushing 30, I, I, I signed up and I enlisted. I was allowed to go right to selection because of my prior service. And so since I since 30, I've, I've you know been operating as, as a Green Beret. That's amazing. So you said you wrote your first screenplay while you were while you're in Special Forces. Do you find that being in the military and it helped you with your writing? In some ways, yes. Uh, I mean, as a writer, I think I, I you know you write what you know. You draw from your experiences. Yeah. Uh, and that first feature. So. I was in school. Uh, one of the things about being part-time military was I was able to go to school full-time uh, to pursue my degree, which is in theater. Uh, and right in the middle of my undergraduate degree, I got deployed again. So, you know, two and a half years into a, a theater bachelor's degree, I found myself in Afghanistan again. Uh, and so uh, the story for that feature had been in my head for some time. And, and it, it is somewhat military-themed, but uh, I would say that I do draw from my experiences, but more from just being alive for as long as yeah. I have. Uh, I tend to, when I write for myself, I, I, I love really in-depth explorations of just the human condition. I love dialogue, heavy writing. I really like examining how people interact in a given space and sort of what becomes of that. So while a lot of what I do, and particularly in Ghost Recon, of course, is inspired by my military experience, I, I just try to draw from the world around me. Uh, and write what comes to mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess that you see a lot of that in in Ghost Recon, um, particularly what we've seen of the game so far. It's very character driven. The, the characters are really powerful. Is and and having a writer like you with that experience that really would have brought a lot to the table. I mean, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I came on board a little bit later into the process. Uh, they had been writing for about six months, and when I started, a lot of the linear narrative had had sort of been written and locked already. And a lot of the characters were pretty well fleshed out. I did get to contribute a, you know, a significant degree to, to some of the, the character development, uh, wrote some optional dialogue, some side missions. My focus was really on the systemic writing, which is the, the, the voices and the character for all of the AI that you engage with in the game. So anyone that's a non-player character, which is essentially anyone that you aren't controlling, has to have some degree of humanity to them, or it just doesn't feel like a real world. That must be really interesting as well, and very different than writing for, say, a movie or television, because you're writing for player choices then, because you're dealing with NPC characters. Uh, there's so many yeah. choices that a, char- that, a, that a player can make. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and actually, I found the, uh, the challenge and the exercise of writing barks and systemic interactions was really intriguing, because it's it's not easy. It's not linear. You have a context and you have to write a database of, say, questions and responses that will all fit together and can be layered with different systems. It can be really challenging, but at the same time, giving more life to all of those characters is exciting because it just deepens the immersion into the world. So while the exercise of writing it can be tedious even at times, knowing what it's contributing to in the overarching narrative is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it would be, yeah. So you said you came on a little bit later. So John Bernthal had probably done most of his work on the game. Is that right? Actually, uh, the writing was completed, but no, I came on well before he was directly involved. So I actually was on the motion capture shoots with John. Oh, that's amazing. So he's, uh, he's of course, an incredible actor and takes on a lot of those military-style roles. The, the, the role that comes to mind straight away is his role as uh, Netflix is the Punisher, which he was just unbelievable in. Did yeah. you have? Did you get to work with him much to make him more authentic, or do you find that he's already that complete sort of military package? So he definitely brings a wealth of experience in military themed characters. Obviously, mm. I mean he has a, an expansive resume with with tremendous characters in, in the sort of military genre. So he brings a wealth of knowledge to the character. But you know, like with any sort of independent production, the director has a vision for the character. Uh, and it was really important for us to also give 
his character of Cole Walker a distinctive visual signature mm. that would differentiate him from other enemy archetypes. So, you know, he comes with a pretty extensive background. Uh, and then, of course, I got to work with him on, on some sort of more updated tactics and then fine-tune those techniques and those tactics so that they fit with a more specific signature of his character so that, again, even at a distance, when you see that character moving through space, you can sort of identify him as, oh, that's one of the wolves. That's, that's Cole Walker's character. Uh, but he was easy to work with because he has such an extensive background. So he comes in knowing what he's doing and ready to take notes and ready to take direction. Yeah, he is a, he's a villain in the game, but he's also a very likable character. Was, was that a choice? Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that character evolved early on. The, the game focuses on two really over, strong overarching themes, and those are, you know, autonomous technology and what happens when it grows beyond our control. And then, of course, the theme of, of you know, the, the most dangerous adversary for a ghost would be another ghost. Mm. So within that theme, the character of Cole Walker evolved very organically because in order for it to be a compelling conflict, you have to understand why a ghost would change their allegiance so dramatically. And uh, that exploration from a narrative perspective gave us a lot of room, a lot of freedom to really delve into the, the sort of the human experience of, of how someone reaches the point where their allegiance is questioned, you know, where they, mm. they change their perspective so dramatically and yet still, you know, so firmly believe in their objective and their agenda. I mean, he is a man of duty and a man of honor and believes what he is doing is right. So it's uh, the, the conflicts within the character himself are incredibly compelling. Yeah, I guess that's the, the, the truth for every great villain is that they, they think they're the hero of the story. Of course. What were the choices in the game? It's obviously set in a fictional island rather than a real-world setting. What were the, the reasoning behind that, do you think? One of the, the sort of fundamental tenets that was explored early in the game in development in its conceptual stages was how do they improve on the experience of, you know, being a ghost? You know, the, the Ghost Recon franchise has always sort of been based on that foundational premise. Yeah. Placing the players in the boots of one of the most, you know, highly trained elite special operations forces in the world. And Ghost Recon has, has succeeded in that historically, you know, throughout the iterations of the game. Uh, the question, of course, was how do they... How do they improve on that experience? Uh, along the lines of creating a more deeply immersive experience uh, was the necessity to sort of free up the narrative. Uh, and one of the ways that the, the core team really found would do that was to create a fictional setting. Uh, Tom Clancy is typically steeped in very real mm. sort of geographical locations, very real plausible scenarios. This game is still deeply, deeply sort of tied to the, the Tom Clancy universe, but the fictional setting allowed us immense freedom to expand both on the narrative and the gameplay because when we can create any sort of physical topography we want so and within that we then are free to create whatever sort of socio-political landscapes we need to support that narrative so it allows for expansion of the story it allows for expansion of post-launch content the fictional setting gives us the freedom to create a variety of gameplay arenas yeah, in yeah. the context of the story and then to just expand on the story so with you know several years of post-launch content already planned out, it gives us this license to take the story in new directions that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. So that's really at the heart of the choice. You know, the core tenet is is immersion in the fantasy, and this is just one more way that the core team has sort of realized we can heighten the fantasy. That's right. Yeah, the heightened fantasy is uh, is, is something that's so intriguing. Um, how do you find that that 
compares to the real life aspect that you've experienced yourself? It's a wonderful question, and I get it often. Uh, yeah. the, the important thing to remember is that it is—it's a fantasy. Like we've created a fantasy, uh, and while we strive to, to to strike that balance between authenticity and, and immersion in the fantasy, it's it's important to remember that first and foremost, it's a fantasy, because there's a tremendous appeal to to sort of embodying the character, to living in the boots of, of a ghost. Uh, there are definitely elements that, that I was able to sort of draw from ruled experience to help heighten the immersion. Mm. Uh, I won't say that there's, uh, none of the content is necessarily based on any of my or of the other consultants' real-world experience. And I'm not going to say that what we've created is, is something that, that, that genuinely uh, sort of represents the nature of conflict. It's, it's about the excitement of being immersed in a tactical scenario where you have to factor in so many considerations like the terrain, like planning, like, like injuries. Uh, new mechanics like the injury system, fatigue system force you to sort of plan out a little bit more concisely how you're going to achieve your objectives. So in that respect, it's very real feeling because you mm. have to take so many different factors into consideration. You can't just locate the bad guy, go get him, get into a, a gunfight, and that's it. You have to consider how you're going to get there. What vehicles are available? What's the terrain like? You know, are you going to have to create some rations and drink some water to improve your stamina so that you can even get there in the first place? All of those additional considerations and mechanics heighten that level of immersion. In that respect, again, it feels very authentic. And as far as sort of the gameplay mechanics, there's new mechanics, there's new animations, the, the new engine is spectacular. So all of it just feels more authentic. Again, remembering that, we've immersed players in this world that we've created. So it was never about making something real. It was about making something that's a fantasy that, that feels genuine. Yeah. I think it's, it's great to have games like this with, with, with such uh, thought going into the, the battle process, the planning process, you know, you're not just dropped on an Island and, and uh, pitted against each other. It is a, a well thought out. It actually reminds me um, of watching, there's a TV show seal team, um, and I, I thoroughly enjoy that because it, it takes you behind the scenes of this fictional SEAL right. team, but also it, it lets you see into the tactics and the planning that they do for, before each mission. Well, that's a huge part of operations. You know, uh, it, it's easy for, for sort of popular media to depict the exciting aspects of combat. You've got guys in black dot helicopters with night vision swooping around in the dark of night to, you know, take down objectives. Mm. The reality is, you know, hours, days, weeks of planning can go into one single operation. Uh, and it's, you know, you're, you're trying to prepare for as many contingencies as you could conceivably think of to ensure mission success. Nobody gets to see that part. Nobody yeah. understands how much is really involved in the preparation for a mission. And then you plan and plan and plan, and then your mission gets canceled. <sighs> so you've served in the military. No, 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 no. <laughs> you sound intimately familiar with the true nature of it. Yeah, yeah. it's all the TV show, trust me. Um, so do you have any advice for up-and-coming writers? Um, obviously, a lot of people wanting to get in, into writing film, TV, and, and you've written for, for every medium, film, TV, and, uh, and video games. What's your advice to to an up-and-coming writer? That's a wonderful question. Uh, I mean, a sound education and the theories that, that sort of support the craft is always advisable. Mm. You know, uh, particularly writing for entertainment is, is, is unique in that, you know, it has to be marketable. You have to, unless you have all the money in the world to either publish your own work or produce your own films, you have to convince other people to back your projects. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's hard to tailor your writing to fit those specific parameters. Uh, and there's definitely sort of formulaic conventions and techniques that, that can be learned and applied. Uh, 
but it's also a question of you know an individual's writing process. Honestly, just you have to you have to learn to take disappointment. You got to have a mm. thick skin. You, you know, you hear no more often than you will ever hear yes in opportunities in your life, uh, and it can be tremendously discouraging. Uh, and I mean, I, I've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, you know, this project was was a huge opportunity for me and a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. But I was lucky. You know, I was at the right place at the right time. I knew the right person, and they needed somebody. And there I was with the right background. You know, just a fortuitous set of circumstances. Uh, you know, I, I'm grateful that I had the time and the energy and the uh, sort of availability to, to get a, a sound education in classical yeah. drama theory and, you know, concentrations in acting and writing. Uh, I was lucky to go to a great university. You know, there's been a lot of luck involved, and I have to acknowledge that. And I'm tremendously grateful for the opportunities. But really, the only advice that I could offer, which is what I have to remind myself of time and time again, is you, you just can't stop. Yeah. Uh, always be right. Always be writing. Always, always, always just write. And obviously you've got a, a, um, a career as an actor as well. Have you got anything coming up? What's what's next for you? I haven't had time. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was doing a little bit more when I was still in university. I, had, I was able to do some stuff. You know, I got to do some off Broadway plays when I was in New York, some yeah. television. Uh, you know, I and as soon as I got hired on with Ghost Recon Breakpoint, it became a, a, an all-encompassing endeavor. Uh, so I, I've had to put that on hold. I am excited to think that I might have time again at some point soonish to, to start auditioning again. Uh, you know, I, I do I do love the craft of acting. I, I love storytelling. And whether I'm writing or creating characters or embodying characters, I just love the opportunity to tell stories. So sadly, I don't have anything coming up now. Uh, but should anything arise, you know, I will definitely <laughs> let you know. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Thanks so much for talking to me today. We can't wait to play Ghost uh, Recon Breakpoint. It looks like it just has such a compelling storyline and uh, and is really worth the time to put into it. Thanks so much for the time you did put into the game and uh, and for chatting to us today. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure, really. It was entirely my pleasure to be here.